0: So I chose a passage this evening from Song of Solomon and I've given it to you in the message paraphrase, which is a paraphrase, but I think particularly when you're looking at some of the poetic books, the message and also the Passion Translation, which I also have a copy of the same scripture there. If When you have reflection time, you want to read it in a different um, paraphrase. I just think sometimes when we're reading particularly the poetic Um, bodies of work, then reading it in something like The Message or The Passion Translation can really just bring it to life. Um, I did want to just preface my sharing with you from Song of Songs just with a few thoughts around how we approach this book. Um, I think that a lot of people look at the book of Song of Songs only as an allegory around the way that God is in relationship with his people, both Israel and us as a church or the church. And certainly the New Testament makes enough references to Christ and the church as being the bridegroom and the bride for us to be able to um, justify looking at this book partly in that way. Um, But this book is also the intimate look at um, the natural relationship between a husband and wife and celebrating sexual intimacy. And so I think when we're looking at a book like this, we just have to be careful we don't read too much into it. Um, But having said that, and with that kind of disclaimer, I still feel that there are some truths for us when we're looking at Um, our intimacy with the Lord um, that I think are relevant to us so I just wanted to say that though that I think we can't just look at it as an allegory like it it is also um, the celebration of the physical union between a husband and wife so um so what I will do is I will just read it through and then I've kind of broken it down into chunks in keeping with the way that this, the message does it because the message doesn't label every verse. It kind of chunks them down um, into a couple of verses at a time. But let's read it through together and then um, I'll just bring out a couple of things that really stood out to me. I've scribbled all over my piece of paper. Um, so it says this, Look... Listen, there's my lover. Do you see him coming, vaulting the mountains, leaping the hills? My lover is like a gazelle, graceful like a young stag, virile. Look at him there, on tiptoe at the gate, all ears, all eyes, ready. My lover has arrived and he's speaking to me. Get up, my dear friend, fair and beautiful lover, come to me. Look around you. Winter is over. The winter rains are over, gone. Spring flowers are in blossom all over. The whole world's a choir and singing. Spring warblers are filling the forest with sweet arpeggios. Lilacs are exuberantly purple and perfumed and cherry trees fragrant with blossoms. Oh, get up, dear friend, my fair and beautiful lover. Come to me. Come, my shy and modest dove. Leave your seclusion, come out in the open. Let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is soothing, your face is ravishing. This is a dialogue, obviously, so this is now the woman responding. Then you must protect me from the foxes, foxes on the prowl, foxes that would like nothing better than to get into our flowering garden. My lover is mine and I am his. Nightly he strolls in our garden, delighting in the flowers until dawn breathes its light and night slips away. Turn to me, dear lover. Come like a gazelle. Leap like a wild stag on delectable mountains. So if we just look at um, verses 8 to 10 to start with, I'm going to juggle my bits of paper here. I The first thing that struck me when I was looking at this scripture is this p- picture of the bridegroom's pursuit. And I was thinking about that in terms of how God pursues us. Um, and I think that the foundations for us when we think about coming closer to the Lord or we think about growing in intimacy in our relationship with him and knowing him more deeply is first and foremost that Jesus moved towards us, that he came as God, Emmanuel, not as one that is far off, but as one who came to us. And this scripture reminds us that he speaks he calls us and that actually we can hear his voice and recognize him Um, and I was thinking about what that looks like in our lives and I I don't know about you I've often quoted myself and had quoted to me the scripture in James 4 8 that talks about how um, draw near to God and he will draw near to you and there's absolute truth in that but One of the problems I've had with this scripture, you may not, is that I've often thought of it in the context of I've got to do the right thing to draw near to him um, and that if I somehow fail in that, if I fail in doing the right things, that somehow then God will stay at a distance from me. And so I just... um, I guess, looking at this whole idea that he does pursue us, that he does draw near to us. This passage in James, I think, needs to be put in its context. In James says to his readers, after he said, draw near to God and, and he will draw near to you. He says, cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. And so this passage in James is actually in the context of repentance, So it's this idea that as we repent and come close to the one who can cleanse us, because we can't purify our hands or our hearts by ourselves, we are not able to do that. Um, This idea of drawing near to him in repentance for him to wash us clean is what that scripture is talking about. It's not kind of talking like a brownie point system does that make sense so I've often looked at that scripture and I've thought right the reason and sometimes there will be reasons of unresolved things in my life as to why God seems distant it's not that he is distant but he seems distant Um, but I've often looked at it in terms of uh, I, if I've done all the right things and I've drawn near to God, then he will draw near to me. And I just wanted to challenge that thinking in my own life and also yours, that God does draw near to us, that he is close to us. And just, I just love that picture of um of her look listen like she's she's watching out for for him do you see him coming like and he's vaulting mountains and moving towards her with um intention and looking for her and speaking to her and that's how god is with us you know there are there have been times in my life and you may be able to reflect in your life too where you know life is difficult and in fact things feel fairly dry but I will become aware of the fact that God is drawing near to me that he's comforting me or he's speaking softly to me when I've actually feel like I've done nothing like I haven't um I haven't done all the right things and done my 30 minutes of quiet time and put on my worship music and you know that I can think of numerous times in my life where God has just shown up in a tangible way even though I've not been doing the stuff and and so I just wanted to bring out really truth number one I've called it which is that he moves towards us that he does pursue us and that we can feel assured that we will recognise his voice as he speaks to us. The word promises us that as his people, as his sheep, that we will recognise his voice. Um, and I think that that's a really important uh, thing to remember in various seasons of our life, that that he does pursue us. <clears throat> And then in this next passage of scripture, in um, the verses 10 to 14, there are a number of things that jumped out at me then. But the first is this repetitive, he does this twice, where the the bridegroom says, Get up, come to me. Um, Get up, my dear friend, and come to me. And so... I love that this is a really tender invitation. So he describes her as his friend, his lover, his beauty. It, there wasn't like this barking of an order of get over here now, woman. Like it was a, it wasn't this, just this really tender invitation. And the Lord issues the same tender invitation to us that he whispers to us come come near get up and come to me um, I know I've said multiple times but I I love um, the message paraphrase of Matthew 11 where he talks about come to me get away with me recover your life keep company with me and I feel like it's that same invitation that's being offered here of come to me and so our action of drawing near to the lord is in direct response to his affection for us that he's issuing this affectionate invitation to us to just come get up come come to me come and be with me arise and come to me but i i feel like I don't know if you find this, but in in the context of looking to pursue intimacy with the Lord, there are often times for me where I get really stuck on how f- far off that I feel like, how um, how far full, how I fall short of that. I think. And I was reading uh, Philippians recently, um, and I'm just going to read this in the Passion Translation for you. I mean, it's a familiar passage of scripture, but I really love the imagery that's used in the Passion Translation of this. So it's Philippians 3:12 to 16, and this is Paul speaking. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing But I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. And let us all advance together to reach this victory prize, following one path with one passion. I just I love the description of that, and that 's all in the context of knowing jesus um, but you know the thing for me when I think about the areas that are getting stuck on how far short I fall of this desire for more of a fullness in my relationship with him I, I just um, just really struck by the fact that somebody like Paul who describes himself earlier in this passage if anybody has any reason to boast he has it you know he fulfilled all the criteria Um, I mean he describes um, you know all of his Jewishness and his circumcision at the right time and all the study he's done and all of those things and yet Paul Still says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance. And so I, I've just, I guess, been thinking about that in my own life. How does that present for me when I'm feeling like I'm falling short or I'm thinking, I'm just God, why would you? I've had a few times in the last 12 months in particular where I've found myself saying to him, I don't know why you'd show up in any kind of tangible way because I've really done nothing to pursue you this week. I feel so far short of what I think would categorise actually being able to really encounter you in a fresh way. And One of those times was earlier this year when Mark DuPont was there and was here and Mark was talking about the glory um, of God and talking about some of the encounters that um, he'd seen around the world as God is really beginning to encounter his people um, again in really fresh ways. And I was just standing there. It was quite like it had been a quite a hard week at home and thinking well, God, I I know that I'm I'm really dry and I know that really I've probably not really done anything to deserve really an encounter with you. I feel so far short, but I'm just going to stand here. And really, I don't feel like it was a faith moment for me, even where I could say I was running with passion into his abundance. I was just really positioning myself for whatever trickle might come my way. And I'd have to say it's probably one of the most powerful encounters with God, like physically, that I've really ever had in my life. It was like electricity through my body. And I was really quite undone by it because I I just had thought, well, I don't really I've, – I've not earned the brownie points for that. I, um, but that's our God. That is who he is. And even sometimes when – we don 't really feel like we 're running with passion we 're just managing to get one foot in front of the other in a kind of a plod that 's still moving towards him like it 's still it 's still moving towards him and 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 he loves that like he loves that that is so precious to his heart and so there 's this invitation for us um, to press on even the moments where we're feeling like I know I've shared this before but when I was running the race that I ran last year I didn't finish strongly I had terrible cramps like I barely got over the finish line but I did actually get over the finish line and I feel like sometimes we'll run and we'll feel like gazelles (laughs) maybe But most of the time, it it can just feel a bit plotty, like, you know, we're just getting one foot in front of the other, but we're keeping pressing on. And one of the things that I have felt really challenged about, so I'm going to challenge you about it, um, is God asking me about whether my perfectionism causes me to not move towards Jesus. I, I call it the all or nothing thinking. So because I can't do the prescribed 30 minutes of quiet time. I don't do anything rather than making a step. You know, I'm not there are times for discipline in our lives. I'm certainly not saying that there aren't times where we're called to a disciplined approach to the way that we approach God, but um I just realize that in my life a lot of the times because I can't make it the way, look the way that I think it should or I'd like it to my ideal self would like it to I just do nothing I'm a bit paralyzed by that and so I don't think that God measures things the same way that we do and um, sometimes what we will have Um, in the tank so to speak is just to be able to get one foot in front of the other but to keep moving towards him to keep pressing on towards him and so truth too from this in terms of him saying get up I kind of was imagining it like this get up dear friend it's all right get up get up get up Um, is that he invites us to respond to his affection for us and to arise to get up and to just keep moving towards him whatever that looks like, even in our imperfection um, and it not looking the way that we think that it should or the kind of almost spiritual Instagrammable moment that just to keep moving towards him. And then in this same passage of scripture, the bridegroom's um, invitation or comment to his bride is, look around you winter is over look around you and so that's why I've got that look for signs of his life and just those blossoms there this evening because I was thinking just in the context of the physical um, season that we're in in Canberra and I think I did refer to this a couple of Sundays ago we um, we are in spring we are that is the season that we're in but in Canberra, spring does not look like the 35 degrees that Brisbane is getting at the moment. Ooh, thank goodness. But, um, but we still are experiencing cold and wintry days. We are still having days where we still have to get all of our winter woolies on to be able to go out and particularly the last couple of days, like very windy days. But there are signs of his life and his presence, signs of spring everywhere daffodils out blossoms and it's the same in in our lives and so my encouragement to myself and to you um, as part of our moving closer to him is to have our eyes peeled at all times for the signs of his presence and life around you that that every day when we keep our eyes open for that we'll actually we'll see him like we'll see the signs of his presence and life even if you're in a winter season or it feels like a winter season. And, you know, there's this beautiful description here of what, what um, the blossoms and just the obvious signs of life. Um, for me, this looked recently like I had um, a week where I just felt, um, I felt sad. And I had told the Lord that I felt sad, and somebody at church who doesn't know me particularly well, doesn't know my circumstances, came up to me last Sunday and handed me the most beautiful China mug with daffodils and irises all over it, stuffed full of, and I don't know how they could possibly know, except for God knew, my favorite T2 tea bags. I've got two favorite teas that I like from T two, and they were the only tea bags in there and for me yes that was a person with legs on who heard the Lord and did something but that for me was like a sign of the presence his presence in my life like it was a um, just one of those moments where God said I see you like I I know and you know, like so it, for the whole of the rest of that week, because there were like seven tea bags in there, like I had one of my favorite tea bags every day in this new spring mug. Like it was just beautiful. But those are the kind of details that God goes out of his way for. Or it might be a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset or just having a walk around somewhere outside and just seeing nature and just being reminded of how enormous he is when you look at the Brindabellas or you're on the beach and you see the ocean rolling in and you just know that he's more constant um, than lots of the circumstances and things in our life are and so um, my encouragement and the truth that I guess from that passage that I wanted to just bring out is that you will see signs of life of his presence when you look for them like be intentional start looking for and ascribing goodness to those moments because some of them will be kind of really in the ordinary of our day but they are signs that he sees us and that he's there and he knows us Um, and I think when we start doing that I'm sure that's what the whole idea One of the things around being grateful and actually being more intentional about gratitude is again, that's what you're doing really when if you keep, I know many friends who've been really intentional in keeping a gratitude journal where they're looking for those signs of his life and presence um, and how much of a different outlook they have once they start looking for those. and then finally, in this last passage, I love the way that the bridegroom describes. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. And I, I just, I guess the encouragement that I felt from that is that, you know, Jesus delights in us. Like, as amazing it is as it is, you are his absolute favorite. And so am I like he can leave each one of us sent sing and feeling like we're his absolute favorite and um so when we come to him we come not as ones who are just tolerated ones or um yeah look i'll cut or forgotten ones or ones where he's just oh look i'll squeeze you in like we come to him as ones who are delighted in. He, like, he delights in us. He loves to see your face. He loves to hear your voice. Like That is like how he feels about you. Um, I find it absolutely mind-blowing that um, John, in John 15, Jesus said this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Like he loves us that much, the same amount that his father loves him. He loves us. Like that's that's a lot, like a, a, an indescribable amount. And so truth four from this passage is that God delights in you. He loves to see your face and to hear your voice. And then verse 15 um, is about the little foxes. And I'm sure that most of us have heard various words about this and I think there's some real truth in just really being aware of the fact that little foxes or little distractions or seemingly innocuous things can actually spoil things in our life and um, when they go unchecked and unnoticed. Um, And so there's definitely that truth contained there but I think what I really wanted to bring out this evening was actually that the bride asks the bridegroom to help her deal with the little foxes. Um, And what I wanted to encourage you with this evening is that it is a good thing to express to the Lord your need for help to deal with those distractions and little bad habits. This is something that we can invite him into the midst of our life for. And so I've found recently I've been putting that into practice in my thought life. So rather than trying to just clean up my own act um, and then come to the Lord, I'm like, God, you can see my thoughts running away with themselves. You can see that I'm just really struggling with being negative in this particular area. And I really need your help. Like I can see that this is something that's spoiling the vine or ruining the garden or impacting the way that I come to you but I'm just not kicking this on my own I, I really need your help um, and so I guess I felt that truth five for us was that we can ask Jesus to help us deal with those little foxes those distractions and those bad habits that he doesn't mean for us to just kind of wrestle those through ourselves and particularly when they're little things I mean I feel like maybe I'm better sometimes at taking the bigger giants to God, but actually he wants to be involved in even those things that, um, the littler things that are distractions or hindering our closeness with him. Um, And then my last one, truth six is fairly short really, but um, there's, this is from verses 16 to 17, but the, the words that really leapt off the page to me are I am my beloveds and he is mine, or i my lover is mine, and I am his. The message paraphrase says, but um, and so truth six is that your identity is in belonging to him that um, in our coming closer to him uh, we do so as a posture of b- belonging to him, like we are a treasure to him. And he is a treasure to us, of course, as well. But um, but, but, particularly that just really looking at it as our identity as being belonging to him. So I'm just going to run back through them. I have got these written out on a piece of paper for you just to have um, a bit of a... Th- reflect on but truth one he moves towards us he pursues us and and we are able to recognize his voice as he speaks to us truth two he invites us to respond to his affection for us to arise to get up and to keep moving towards him truth three you will see signs of his presence in your life when you look for them Truth four, God delights in you. He loves to see your face and to hear your voice. Truth five, we can ask Jesus to help us deal with the distractions and the bad habits, those little foxes that are stealing from our relationship with him. And truth six, your identity is in belonging to him.